Justin Tinsley, Israel Gutierrez, Clinton Yates, and making her around the horn debut. Courtney Cronin, huzzah! Welcome hey, to the program. Welcome, welcome. It's your first show. Can you make a first impression like Avalanche Oilers? 14 goals last night. Or make an impression like this Mets fan. Sun in one hand, home run in the other. Let's go around the horn. Is it worth it though? That is not a is home it run. Worth it? That is foul. <laughs> Man, that is it worth Man it. Has some explaining. Snag, grab, or stab. Definitely a snag. Courtney Cronin joins us from Chicago, Illinois. Born and raised Indiana University alum. Chicago Bears reporter for ESPN. Formerly covered the Vikings, Warriors, Raiders, 49ers, SEC football. And her ESPN Radio 1000 chops will put our panel and the mute button to the test. Courtney, give us your life story. You've got seven seconds. Oh, man. I was going to try to thank everybody, but I'm just going to go around to the places where I've lived, from Indianapolis to Mississippi to the Bay Area to Minneapolis, back to Chicago. Thanks to everyone who helped me get here, and hopefully I won't get muted. That is your life story, but you know how this show works. (laughs) Your first mute button. There it is. Let's go around the horn. The first word points for being born now is drunk. Colorado eight, Edmonton six. That's how you start a series. Man, this series picks up where where Edmonton's last series left off. All the fireworks. The Colorado goal offsides challenge that was lost by Edmonton, which resulted in a two-goal swing because the failed challenge is a power play, and Colorado scored on that. And everything that came with this game, but also now Edmonton wonders about goalie Mike Smith, maybe. And Colorado fears for goalie Darcy Kemper, who's hurt again. All right, Courtney, first to you right out of the gate. Your number one takeaway from last night's lunacy. My number one takeaway, Tony, is that no one in the NHL knows what offsides is. I keep thinking back to that Kale McCarr goal in the first period, and I thought it was offsides. I'm no expert. Apparently, the officials did not uh, think it was either. But beyond that, I don't pin this loss on Mike Smith. Yes, he gave up six goals on 25 shots. Anytime (laughs) that happens, you are going to get pulled. But he doesn't play well historically in game ones, and neither does this Edmonton team throughout this postseason. I'm not worried about Mike Smith going back in for Game 2. He's 0-3 in his career with the Oilers in Game 1s, in Game 2s. He's 2-0-1. His goals against average drops drops all the way down to 1.09. I'm confident if you put him back in there. At 40 years old, he's on par to do something that only two other goalies have done uh, with eight saves in this postseason. It's gonna- All right, save the rest for the 30 for 30 you're going to do on this game one. Clinton Yates around the horn to you. You know, as, as high scoring as it was, this wasn't like the Battle of Alberta firewagon hockey situation. The second period started 3-2 and ended 7-4. This was a sloppy skate overall, and that's why I'm also not blaming Smith that much. His, the defensive shifts in front of him, he was bailing them out in a lot of situations. If I'm the Oilers, I'm looking at this as a bad game that you ended up losing. It only ended 8-6 after they were down 7-4 and there was an empty netter. Only ended 8-6, Clinton Yates? Uh, please expand yes, on my that point a little is, bit. Is that the, yeah. My point is, is that the Oilers got back into this okay, skate okay. in a major way and just kind of ran out of time. That was the overall issue in terms of what they were doing. So neither team is going to be happy about their performance here, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Well, Colorado's up one game to none. Justin Tinsley, what's the takeaway from last night? 
I know some people may call this game ugly, but you know who enjoyed it? This guy. I yawned <laughs> twice and missed two goals. Like, I knew we, – we spoke about this yesterday. The, yep. the series was going to be an offensive explosion. The over-under yesterday was at seven. That's the highest in five years. And they blew past that in the first 24 minutes. So, it, it, look, I, it, if you're looking at both teams, they have a lot to improve on moving forward. But if I'm Colorado, here's why I'm concerned. And you mentioned this, Tony. Darcy Kipner, he's hurt. We don't know how long he's hurt. He's 6-2-0 and in the postseason, 904 save percentage. And now Colorado's already – a wickedly expensive, uh, uh, they're a wickedly great offensive team, but now without their goaltender, how much more pressure is already on a prolific offense to be even more so now? And is Rick Gutierrez? Yeah, I didn't know we were getting points for being born now. I was born in Manhattan, New York, so I would like my five points. And don't worry, Courtney, your second game will be way better than your first, just oh, like the Edmonton goalie. Listen, the Gutierrez goes what I see is the fireworks in this series continuing because if you got the goalie situation, uh, one giving up six goals, one getting hurt, and you don't know the seriousness of it. And so, yeah, you've got this Edmonton team that can score six to eight goals anytime, much less against a backup goalie. So, yes, I, I do think, you know, White, I'd, I'd be a little concerned if you're a 40-year-old goalie and you've done this twice now uh, to start a series because Colorado is still going to pressure you. So, yeah, I think Edmonton is probably in a, in, in a pretty good place right now, but, you know, this is going to be a high-scoring series regardless if both goalies are healthy. So I think that's amazing. After the horn, Courtney Cronin back in. Since Izzy was talking about me being born and uh, getting points for that, I wasn't born in the 1980s, but this feels oh. like what I imagined hockey to have been like in the 1980s. It's fun again. We have goals galore, and it is uh, a big, watchable product for Incredible job there. Although, I do have to correct you, Courtney. Israel was not even born in the 1980s. Isn't that right, Israel? Oh, man. Uh, 1977. Okay. It was a great year. We're going to move on Look now. Look at Don. Uh, Draymond Green, I believe, has something to say, and he says it on a podcast, which is a surprise none of us, but here we go. Let's go, Draymond. Kevin Durant was absolutely insane. Steph Curry got double teamed probably seven times the amount that KD did in a, in a given series. So... He's remembering the finals, of course, because he played in them. Um, he's told this to Colin Coward, I should say. And he's talking up Steph Curry. There's been a conversation going on about whether Steph Curry needs an MVP in these finals or it's maybe deserved one in the past, and he needs it for his legacy. Kevin Durant, of course, has a bat signal whenever anyone mentions his name anywhere. He tweeted what Draymond was saying was 100% false <laughs> about the seven times as many uh, defensive double teams but Courtney right back at you again because I heard you on radio this week you were talking up Curry and his finals appearances and what he's done and maybe where he's come up a little bit short this whole Curry needs to show out and get an MVP award in the finals and Draymond versus Durant what's reality here well, what's reality is what Draymond told KD in their Twitter back and forth, that you need to listen to full takes, not just snippets uh, that uh-huh, you hear yes. from interviews. Mm-hmm. So, um, Draymond Green's defending his teammate here in Stephen Curry and basically telling Kevin Durant, without directly telling him there in the interview, that the reason he got two finals MVPs is because Curry took on a lot of double teams that allowed, Dr- that allowed Kevin Durant to shoot the lights out of the arena. So... I look at it from that perspective, but as it pertains to Stephen Curry in this finals MVP conversation, let 
us, the media, have this conversation. Players, especially those who are going to be playing in this NBA Finals, they don't need to be worrying about it because it's going to be open season on Stephen Curry coming up here soon. Boston is going to throw everything that they have to try to limit him in these moments. And as we've seen previously, great players draw a lot of attention. This is not something that Stephen Curry is new to, which is why for me, he doesn't need a finals MVP okay. to solidify his legacy as a top 10 player in the NBA. It would be a nice luxury, but he doesn't need it. Israel Gutierrez. Well, it's confusing why we're talking about finals from four years ago when there's one coming up. So that, in that sense, I don't really <laughs> love the conversation at all that Draymond is bringing up. But here's something that I don't think has been talked about. You don't necessarily always double team the other team's best player. You double team the, the player that you think can get them out of system or can maybe turn the ball over. Tyler Hero got double teamed way more than Jimmy Butler this postseason. He is not a better player than Jimmy Butler. Jimmy even joked about it uh, you know, during the postseason, during the third round, second round. So it's just one of those things where they look like maybe they could turn, get Steph to turn the ball over. It's more difficult to double team Kevin Durant because he's this seven foot giant who can shoot over a double team as well. So I don't think that's indicative of anything. And that's why I don't like the conversation. That was a special team. Probably should have stayed together. This team is a totally different team. Steph Curry's still the center of it. And if they double him, it'll look entirely different because they don't have a Kevin Durant as an outlet on this team. Justin Tinsley. Oh, poor Stephen Curry. Uh Ye all-time great, who's averaging 27, 6, and 6 and shooting almost 40% in 28 finals games. Look, this is KD and Draymond's relationship. But the, the thing about this Warriors era, for as iconic and, and for as great as it is, it started with drama. There was drama during it. And now you can see there's these little spats, like, after it. I, I, we can go into the X's and O's of what Draymond is saying. Now, I don't even think it was a diss, but with this team more than any other great team from any other era, it feels like they're always trying to justify their greatness. And as much as I love Draymond, I don't need him to focus on this. I need him to focus on why ESPN's Basketball Power Index only gives the Warriors a 14% chance mm. to win the series. The Golden State Warriors, 14%. You say that. You work for ESPN. That's on you, Tinsley. I'm putting that on you. Clinton Yates. <laughs> I'm, with, I'm with Izzy on this one. At The day before the finals begin, we're sitting here talking about you, talking about an old teammate and a previous team for a guy who's also now on a new team with another superstar. This is just weird to me. I get that this is how Draymond motivates himself in terms of talking, but if I'm a Warriors fan, how about we discuss the Celtics, the task at hand, Draymond, that seems to be a little bit more important as far as I'm concerned in terms of what they're doing. What happened back in the day with your old homies has nothing to do with what you're trying to do right now. Israel, do you put any stock into the Steph Curry hasn't won an NBA Finals MVP and he needs it to elevate himself? Mm. No, because he should have won it over Andre Iguodala. And just look at the numbers. Um, Andy Bailey on Twitter just did a comparison between him and Shaq during uh, their same ages and finals runs, and it was very similar. He's a great player. He doesn't need that. If I remember correctly, though, during that vote for MVP, Iguodala and LeBron got all the votes. So Steph didn't even get yep. one vote during that. All right. Yep. Taking a break right here. Courtney Cronin, the rookie. Wow, 23 to start. And... There may be a buddy rivalry. Cronin versus Gutierrez. Gutierrez versus Cronin. He threw the gauntlet down. We'll see what happens at Buy or Sell next. Around the Horn is presented by Corona Extra. Find the fine life. Live la vida más fina. Part of Happy Hour. 
Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guarantee Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Welcome back to Around the Horn, brought to you by Chase. Coming to you from the Seaport District at Pier 17. Rangers Lightning Game 1. Whether everybody's considering Tampa the favorite, I mean, they are the two-time defending champions. But it is the Rangers who have home ice and knockwinity. No quietity? Oh, man. Clinton Yates, around the horn to you. Who's the favorite and what are you buying in this series? I'm buying the goaltending. We've seen how that's going awry in the Western Conference. And even though the Rangers have played so well against the Bulls so far this year, the major factor is Shostak, and he stopped 91 of 94 shots against the Lightning in the regular season. I'll give that an advantage. Does that make New York favorite, Clinton Yates, in your mind? I believe so. Mm. Yes. Courtney Cronin, what are you buying? I'm buying this goalie matchup just like Clinton. It's the best of right now in Shosturkin and versus the best of arguably this era in Andre Vasilevsky. And just to like show you how good Igor Shosturkin, I'm going to get that right at some mm-hmm. point, has been throughout this season. In the regular season, he had 44.85 goals saved above average. You want to know who like the next closest was? No other goalie even reached 30. So he has been lights out in 2021-22 and I'm really looking forward to seeing what this goal yes we're all looking forward to it we're looking forward to having some time for the rest of the show is there a good Tierras what are you buying <laughs> I'm with John Cooper who said look of of uh, Igor he pointed at, a, at uh, his own guy Vasilevsky holding the cup and said until he does that my guy's better. And I totally agree with him. Vasilevsky has been an absolute stud in the postseason, better than he is in the regular season. And, you know, with all this time off, uh, nine days off after sweeping the President's Cup winners, like, you got to think that they're the favorites in this one. They clearly have the advantage of, of experience here. Of so, yes, and Justin Tinsley. Yeah, the hardest thing in sports to do is three-peat, but I'm still picking Tampa Bay in this. Emily Kaplan said this about Tampa Bay. They're still haunted by being the best team in 2019 and getting swept. So so they're battling ghosts and they're battling the team in front of them. I get they lost all the the games to the Rangers this year, but until Vasilevsky doesn't have that all-time postseason glow on them, I'm still picking Tampa Bay because they're on the doorstep of history. Appreciate you citing your sources while giving your answer. What did I say? Where'd Emily You talked to Emily Kaplan. (laughs) 
I'll give Emily Kaplan the points she there. She wrote it. I know she, she did. Again, it. I appreciate you, but she gets the points then. We'll move on. Buy or sell two, the new golf tour's first event. Field includes more than a dozen PGA Tour players and Dustin Johnson's name atop the list. Johnson publicly came out, supported PGA Tour three months ago. His agent now saying Johnson contemplated it for years decided it's his and his family's best interest to pursue. The Telegraph UK reporting Greg Norman Lord Johnson with a $125 million offer and maybe more if he commits to the series. There's that and then there's the greater discussion over this tour. Greg Norman runs Saudi Arabia funded. This was Phil Mickelson's plan too, but now he's nowhere to be found. The growing conversation about sport washing, whether these players are pawns and laundering the Saudi image against the massive human rights violations in the country. Courtney, how do you consider it all? I consider it a money grab here for someone like Dustin Johnson. I mean, you can be lured for a lot less than $125 million, even though he did just lose his sponsorship because he committed to this tournament uh, with Royal Bank of Canada. He's 37 years old, so if he really wants to say goodbye to the PGA and potentially being able to compete in those events again, that's a very expensive decision he's going to have to make. Israel Gutierrez. I mean, it's a tough decision, right? Because the PGA is saying to them, hey, it's either their tour or our tour. It can't be both. And you want to think that the PGA Tour is doing this for moral purposes, but they're probably just doing it to keep their best players in hand and mm -hmm. make as much money as mm -hmm. they can. But to these individuals, you have to wonder, hey, what is your, you know, what is your purpose here? What is your goal here? Do you even consider where this money is coming from? A lot of people would call it blood money. Is that something you want on your hands for the end of your career? And that's a question these individuals are going to have to answer for themselves. Somebody like Dustin Johnson, who you would never have said, hey, this guy's struggling, this guy needs some more money. And so he's making this choice, he's at the tail end of his career probably, and just making the money grab, it's just up to him whether it's something that he can live with for the rest of his life. Justin Tinsley, how do you consider it all? You know, it's not as if the PGA is a model institution that hasn't had its own fair share of controversies and hypocrisies, but if there's one thing that we know about the world, and we're having these conversations right now, if you dangle money in front of people, especially a quarter billion dollars in prize money, they will come. It really doesn't matter who's offering the money. So now you know, that leads to far more complex conversations. But the last thing I'm going to do is be surprised if somebody took a short term bag and not, not look at the long term impact of it. Yeah, there was a time when all four of the panelists here wouldn't have been allowed to play at Augusta National. So I'm not over here standing defending the PGA in terms of their practices. But at the same time, this is not the NCAA with students who have hardships trying to get paid for sacrificing their body. This is not the WNBA where women have to go overseas in order to make up for the money they can't play here. These are dudes playing golf. What do you need to be going overseas for, especially if this is what you're dealing with in terms of the money and where it comes from? I don't understand. Well, let me ask a follow-up then, Clayton, for these guys to be sport washing, the term now used. Money grabs, business interests intersecting in countries with woeful practices. Here, golf in Saudi Arabia, Qatar in the upcoming World Cup. We've talked about the NBA practices, business in China. Uh, and this upcoming year, Dubai, do you see this tour going forward as a sign this is now reality, or could it illuminate what it is, Clinton? I don't. I don't. What are you going to do? Walk into your local club and say, I'm a huge fan of the new tour. I mean, what? I don't, that doesn't seem to add up to me. I realize there's a lot of things that go wrong in a lot of places, and the hypocrisy often adds upon itself. But adding to it just because you can, that's called greed. Israel. I think that everybody knows that. 
I, I, it depends on how what people want to know. You know, it depends on whether they're just going to watch golf and ignore everything else because you know that the players themselves aren't going to bring up some of these atrocities. They're going to try to hide it as much as possible. So it depends on who is doing the talking and who's doing the listening, frankly, because if you're going to watch the event, you're probably not going to have a second TV with a bunch of commentators criticizing it. There's a lot of conflicted interest here, too. I mean, also, just there are no answers to this particular question. Is there a difference between doing business in a country like some of the uh, examples I just gave, and doing the business of the country. Is this tour doing the dirty business of laundering the image of Saudi Arabia? Conversation, thanks for that one today. We'll, we'll expand on later in the week, I would imagine. Clinton Yates and Justin Tinsley got passed by Israel Gutierrez in that segment, and a showdown. The rookie, Courtney Cronin, versus the rival, Israel Gutierrez, in two minutes. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Around the Horn is presented by Corona Extra. Find the fine life. Live la vida más fina. Part of happy hour. You've heard of dad strength before. Dad game right now on display this season. This is the greatest year ever of parent catches in Major League Baseball history. But do any of those touch... Alan Alcantara at the Mets game last night, reaching over in the home run for the barehander with Levi in his other arm. What struck you about this catch most, Courtney? The core strength of the dad, I guess. But, oh, my gosh, look at how he's holding the kid. He's lucky he didn't drop him. If I'm the mom, I'm not going to have the kindest words for them when they come home after the game. Israel? Well, that's what struck me. As you look at mom, she seemed pretty happy about the catch. They're going to probably go home together, and dad's going to unironically drink out of a world's best dad mug. That was a terrible <laughs> choice. The point for that answer is real. But the core strength of the dad, Courtney, you're right on that. It's almost like he should sit on some railroad tracks and take some photos. Israel Gutierrez can tell you about that after the show. We'll move on. Fantasy football kerfuffle day six. We know that Jock Peterson moved on and Tommy Pham has come back from a suspension, but he did say in this league, Mike Trout is a terrible fantasy football commissioner. So now that we have that out of the way, Israel, what is the headline of this whole, whole ordeal? The headline is every player should have a fantasy football league and have this type of drama. Baseball needs a little bit of more drama, and this is going to do it for Borny, so how yeah, much blame does Trout deserve leagues. as commissioner? <laughs> he doesn't deserve this sort of blame. Tommy Pham is just deflecting now from slapping Jock Peterson to yelling at Mike Trout, who he said we knew was not a good commissioner to begin with. So It's a thankless job failure. to be commissioner. Show some respect to your commissioner of your fantasy league. The rookie, Cordy Cronin, congratulations, Mark first Walker. career win. I've got a lot of families here at ESPN, from ESPN Radio to my new wonderful family at Around the Horn, uh, and my family at ESPN's NFL Nation. We lost two colleagues 
in the matter of a year, Vaughn McClure and Jeff Dickerson. We have our foundation event taking place in Chicago on June 28th at Tau Chicago. You can go to tvmjdfoundation.org to buy tickets. Sarah Spain, who's usually in this seat, is the one emceeing it, so I hope to see you all there. Wonderful. We get time for that cause. And a wonderful debut. See you tomorrow.